Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. The Bible says about false teachers. This is not what we think. We're not going to say it's because we don't agree with their theology or we don't agree with they don't believe in this. What does the Bible say in, in Matthew 24, 11, Jesus said many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. So it's not just a small issue, a small thing. This is a real thing happening right now. And I also believe there's a real revival happening where God is waking people up. People are understanding who God really is. People are coming out of their religious slumber. They're coming out from under, come on, false teaching. They're coming out from under false prophets and they're realizing false prophets don't wear trench coats. They're not coming out saying, I'm false, I'm the devil, but they're actually preaching a smooth, easy gospel that's lulling the body of Christ to sleep. And I believe there's a remnant right now that are hungry for the authentic, that are hungry for the real thing. So this is about, guys, the real thing. This is about preaching the Jesus of the Bible, not the manufactured Jesus, not the Jesus we've made in our own image or our own mind. We're talking about the genuine Jesus. So one thing I know for false teachers is they preach another Jesus. They preach another gospel other than the gospel that Jesus taught, which is lay your life down and follow me. There's only one way, guys. There's not multiple ways. There's not this denomination's way, that denomination's. We have to lay our life down to follow Jesus. And so I don't know about you, but I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be deceived by false pastors, false leaders, false preachers. Jesus gives us really two categories. He goes, there's those being deceived and there's those doing the deceiving. So I believe that those watching maybe you're a false teacher and don't know it and i believe the lord's gonna open eyes tonight god's gonna open ears maybe you've been under false teaching and i just believe that tonight god is gonna remove the wool he's gonna remove the blindfold he's gonna remove deception and i prophesy that the spirit of deception is being broken even tonight the spirit of deception the spirit of the antichrist the power of darkness that wants to leave you asleep that wants to keep you bound come on we're all deliverance guys we're believing tonight there will be deliverance there will be breakthrough that God is going to open up your eyes open up your ears and I really believe this that you're going to meet the Jesus of the Bible it's one thing to hear about him it's another thing to actually encounter him so that's what we're here for tonight um we're here humbly listen false teachers are never humble they're always arrogant they always know it all they're always proud they're always above everyone else I'm humble saying Lord if there's anything I guys I say this all the time Lord if I'm teaching anything not of you anything false correct me correct me and I also have leaders in my life that are watching all of my content they're able to correct me bring correction we all bring correction to each other we all go back and forth with each other so I I think that's healthy to have um, that humility. So tonight, I want us, you know, just to start with this humility. Like, we don't know it all. We're not always right. We don't have all the answers. We all teach things that we're like, we go back a year later. We're like, oh, I definitely preached that wrong. And we reteach it. We re-preach it. So we're not here, like, to be the spokespeople for God saying, like, this person's false, that person's false. But we're humbly to say, what does the word of God say? And what defines a false teacher, a false leader in the body of Christ? What is your guys' thoughts on this whole topic of false teachers, false preachers in the church? Well, you know, one of the signs, well, first, let me say this, is that um, falsehood is evolving. Falsehood Mm -hmm. evolves. All right. So what was considered false maybe 30 years ago has evolved. Why? Because darkness wants to remain hidden. So Mm -hmm. the requirements to identify something as false needs to be consistently evolving as evil finds ways to remain remain, uh, concealed. And there's one way that at least I have seen in this present day and age is 
where my red flags go off is when a prophet um, does not have the ability to admit that they've never been wrong. Mm. You know, immediately when, when a prophet says, mm. I've never missed it, that, that, that's a red flag for me because we miss it somewhere. I've missed it. Let me even give an example. I did a video a couple months ago concerning the 3 a.m. witch thing. I just recently deleted that video because as I looked at it, wow. I just didn't like the way that I, I just didn't like it. You know what I'm saying? And I completely asked the Lord to forgive me that that, that came out wrong, you know, and I, I got rid of it. So um, just like Isaiah, I'm consistently asking the Lord, you know, Lord, reveal to me because I don't know everything. So when, I, when I'm in the presence of, of a prophet or someone who is a presupposed prophet or has the gift of prophecy, and, and when I ask them or in the middle of the conversation, there's this sense of perfection, you know, or infallibility that they've never, they've never missed it somewhere. Mm. In my spirit, just the red flag goes up. I think what could potentially authenticate a real prophet from a fake one is their humility in being honest like you know what I, I yeah i i missed it a couple of times but mm. the lord is helping me to grow in this prophetic office because no one is born uh knowing how to prophesy this is like in any other gift you receive it through humility and but you walk by faith and you also learn as you go as you consistently uh submit to the move of the holy spirit in your life um and that requires also humility and accountability of hey man i i, I don't know everything i missed it and I'm learning as I go. So once somebody doesn't admit at least that they've missed it somewhere. Now, I'm not saying that they have to be missing it all the time. But if they can at least say, yeah, man, in the early days, I might have missed it. That's, I think that, that for me, that could be a potential red flag for me that they might be false. They might be false there that, with that level of arrogance. Mm. It's really good. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, being a false prophet, it's not necessarily about being accurate or inaccurate, but it is definitely about being prideful or being Come humble. On. Come on. Because we're all gonna operate in some measure of error as we're learning, we're growing, we're experimenting, but humility will carry you the whole way. Mm. And it'll, those, like you said, you'll delete a video. I know we've had conversations. I've even hit some of the, you guys up and been like, oh, I just watched your video on da da da. It was great. And you were like, no, no, don't listen to that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I posted that four years ago. I've, I've expanded my view on it. Right. And that's why I think it's funny because we get called false prophets all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's something that's funny to me every time I read it, because it's like, I know the level of humility, transparency, accountability that we carry even in our group. So it's like, are we, we're, are we always right? No way. But are we always humble? We definitely proceed with hum humility. And I think, I think that, go ahead, Vaughn. No. Um, the Bible says that, you know, you guys, you guys mentioned is that you will know them by their fruits. Mm. It's interesting. It doesn't say you'll know them by their prophecies. So mm. it's possible to still hit your prophecies accurately and miss uh, because of the lack of fruit. And, and it's interesting because Jesus compares false prophets to uh, people who wear sheep's clothing. That means they, they blend in with the sheep. So it's hmm. usually not the shepherd. So that's why when, when wow. the person comes in and begins to say things like, uh, you Good. know, oh, you're a pastor and you're a false prophet. First of all, you know, not every pastor is a prophet. Come on. And so that's why I think like with me, when they come at me and they say things like, you're a false prophet, I could be maybe a false teacher, right. but I'm not a prophet. So you can't label me as a false prophet. Come and on, then come on. But false prophets, they, they wear the sheep, they dress as sheep, not as shepherds. And that means that they love to blend in with the sheep. And a lot of times what happens is that, you know, what I find lately that's been happening with a lot of um, people 
who do not love the church. Come on. Now, I'm a church Say guy. It. Say it. And we must understand the fivefold ministry. And what they do is they compare the Old Testament prophets mm -hmm. and they're like, look, the Old Testament prophets were always persecuted by Israel. They always hated by Israel. They always rebuked Israel. But the New Testament prophet is part of the fivefold ministry that's given to the church. As a gift. It's, it's mm -hmm. a gift to the church. So if you're, if you're not a gift to the church, if you're not a blessing to the church, if you don't have a local church, right. if you don't <laughs> like lo local church, if there's nobody who can correct you, if nobody can speak into your life and you're the only one who only listens to God, to me that's a huge ref flag come on and unfortunately a lot of prophets today have been like Balaam that they are for profit mm. where a lot of it it started with a genuine gift um, and then it turned into uh, because of the greed because the popularity came in some other things came in prophecies are becoming true the pride seeps in and then it really becomes this thing where it's i can prophesy both through the spirit through the gift that i have and then a little bit of divination because that yields yields to control the source of it is not pure and then the fruit in their life is not pure and then the fruit in the people who receive those prophecies are all, is also not pure. Come on. And so I think that us as pastors and us as leaders and apostle and, and those that are evangelists, we have to guard not only um, against the false prophets but also against the false teachers and, and yes. address those behaviors even in ourselves. And I love how you started that, Isaiah. Instead of coming in and say, hey, we're coming after the false prophets, we want to come after that whole stronghold and that mis that wrong behavior. And even if it's in ourselves, to expose that, repent of that, and move on and do better. So good. And I, I think even with the call-out culture, which we're going to talk about right now, where oh, everybody... Good. I want to say this, guys. We don't mm. want you to have false prophet phobia where everybody's a false prophet like this person's false this person because a lot of people even in my chat they'll come in and say and they'll name everybody you can think of that we all know and say that guy's false that guy's false that girl's false that girl's false that guy's false and because they're watching these youtubers that sit in their mom's basement again i know it sounds yeah. bad to say but it's the reality that are making videos and now that they've made a platform there's no pastor over them there's nobody validating them there's no apostle over them there's no bishop mm. over them they made it their own platform and they decided to start calling everybody out so everybody's false that person's false and it all what i've seen and i've watched a lot of their videos is it all comes down to this they don't believe what i believe i believe this about god and they believe or or they have a different revelation about god so now they're false because their revelation is different than mine when in reality all it is is it's the hand saying to the eye i don't like you because you don't do what i do when right. the, I, the hand and the eye do do two different things so you might see someone for example where they're big in healing ministry right and you're like well you could, can't all talk about healing it's all you talk about but you don't understand that's the part of the body they are or maybe they're always talking about like bill Wee's a good friend of mine good friend of mm -hmm. yours vlad as well he talks about hell that's his ministry that's his message and you can't only talk about hell well for him that's the part of the body he is or you might see a guy that always talks about deliverance like we always talk about deliverance and you go like that guy's false because they don't talk about this well understand we that's a part of the body that we are right now functioning in now again you guys know we all preach on everything the full counsel of God but you have to understand just because someone and let me say this for you chat listen to me what I'm about to say just because someone doesn't have the same belief as you about miracles deliverance so or about how church functions doesn't make them false mm -hmm. so again I would say this 
There's no ministry, and I know the guys are in here that are, that are that make these channels, they watch our stuff. There's no ministry in scripture where all they did was call other people out. There's no office, there's right. no leadership role. So this whole culture, these channels, which are some big ones on YouTube, where all they do is call people out. This is what I've come to find with them, guys. They all have something in common. They're snarky, they're sarcastic, they're arrogant, they're proud, they're always joking, they're always making snark remarks and they create unhealthy audiences. So guys, I wanna say we're not talking about fault finding because you can find fault right. in any prophet and any teacher. And I have no interest in pointing out every little thing about somebody. I have no interest in trying to call people out by name. We are talking about when you're preaching a gospel that doesn't coincide with scripture, when you're preaching an easy Jesus, when you're giving out false prophecies mm -hmm. all the time. Remember a prophet is in essence, someone that hears the word of God, the, the, the actual spoken word of God and speaks the spoken word of God. So to prophesy is to speak words from God. And when you have guys going around saying, God told me this, God told me this, and they're making all these claims that God is not speaking, which is what he told Jeremiah, I'm not even speaking, and they're saying I'm speaking. That's really the essence of the false prophet. But I want you guys also to touch on this call out cancel culture where it's like you become known on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or TikTok and you're just everybody's target. I would say the biggest motivator is they're trying to get clout. They're trying to get followers. Right. They know that your name is trending. They know that you're popular right. and they're on a bandwagon. So I, is it biblical to call people out? Well, Paul called out six false teachers in his whole ministry and all of his writings. And he gave them one verse, called them out, said they're like gangrene, they're contagious, stay away from them. He didn't make channels about them. He didn't go on doing crusades about them. He didn't make video after video. And I also want to just say this last thing, I'll turn it over to you guys. Paul was an apostle. Paul had an, a position in the church. Paul was not some Joe Schmo, couch prophet, Facebook theologian, TikTok prophet that was just calling people out. Paul had a leadership role in the body of Christ and was authorized by the Holy Spirit to call out false teachers. So you're, you, you biblically, you can't just make a channel and start calling everybody out because you're some guy that wants to call everybody out and you have no authority. You, you, Paul was an apostle that had the anointing to call people out and the authority of the Holy Spirit to do these things. So I just want to be careful that we're not getting sucked into the vacuum of this call out cancel culture in the church. I guys, I always give people the benefit of the doubt when I watch their preaching. Right. I don't watch 10 minutes and then say, oh, this person's false. I will, if I'm going to say anything about anyone, I'm going to watch hours and hours and I'm going to know them and then say, okay, yeah, that person, they are preaching a false gospel. But I think we have to be careful with this culture online where it's just, Everybody's false. Everybody's wrong. You know, I've been in ministry since 1995, you know, so when I see this call-out culture, it's not, it, it's not new. I've been seeing this for the last 20, 22, 23, 25 years. Here's what I think happens sometimes um, is, is that a lot of these particularly call-out culture YouTube channels or Facebook pages, they're driven by um, assumption. They assume that no one is calling out particular false prophets or false teachers. So they mm. take it upon themselves to be that voice, mm -hmm. not realizing that this principal's new voice has already been done before. Mm. So when I see people making channels or videos of particular word of faith teachers and maybe NAR teachers or whatever, you're not new. So if you're watching me, you think no one has been calling these teachers out. These teachers have been getting called out mm -hmm. from as long as I've been saved, and I've been saved more than right. 30 years. What happens is, is that I do believe that there's some level of sincerity that's in there that's misguided. It's yes. misguided because they assume, well, why ain't nobody? Why? 
why isn't nobody calling them calling these demon slayers out because all they do is talk about the devil no that's not true if you go into any of our particular ministries you're going to find that we preach christ crucified Come more on. than we actually do deliverance mm -hmm. deliverance is something that we're teaching actually online but when you go to our personal ministries um especially let's just use isaiah as an example Isaiah out of this group preached more Christ than anybody that I know. When you go Come to his on. crusades, he is preaching Christ crucified, uh, denial of self, mm -hmm. getting connected to the Lord, being prepared, getting your lamps filled with oil. But what happens is online, we have a particular more polarized ministry that deals with maybe teaching deliverance. Um, they, these guys that watch the videos, not just with us or anyone else, they assume what they think that we're not preaching. Mm -hmm. So therefore, mm -hmm. that makes them false so then they do these videos not realizing that they're thinking that well i'm going to be the champion to be the first one to do that because i ain't scared of these particular facebook and social media teachers they do these videos and they think that they're being the first ones to actually do it but listen to me you are in a long line of people that have Come been doing on. this mm -hmm. for a long time I've seen this a long time. You think your, new, your YouTube channel is new, that you're calling stuff out. You're just in a long list of other people that have been doing it before you. And I really do believe that it's clout chasing and subscriber clickbait to be able to grow their channel, which ultimately makes them false because the same people that they call out for doing it for money have their channels monetized. Go ahead. And I'm going to leave it right there and drop a mic with that one. Go ahead. You can go a little bit deeper on that one if you want. <laughs> you know, I want to oh, make a confession name. tonight. I was actually one of those call-out people about a decade ago. Come on. And mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody watching knows this or even remembers me from back then, but I actually had a huge Twitter following when Twitter first came out. I had my own website. I monetized wow. through Google ads and stuff. And I built massive social platforms off of calling pastors out. Wow. So now to be on the other side of this is very surreal to me, but I'm going to speak to something that I Come never he hear on. discussed when these, these topics are covered. And I'm going to tell you an issue that I see. How many of the call out people are male versus female? Mm. It's a significant number of males. You don't necessarily see the females building these channels, calling people out. So it speaks to a root. It's not saying that they're not female communicators mm. doing it. But it's a it's a male driven phenomenon, and sure. I'm gonna speak from my own personal feel. My own per so my my dad rejected me. I had multiple wow. abusive stepfathers growing up, so I have this huge orphan wound. Then all of a sudden, you're looking at these other men online, and there's this huge mm. hole in your chest that's like, I want attention, I want approval, I want affirmation, and there's something. I think there's something that happens where it's like, I wish I had a friend like Isaiah. I wish I had a, wow. a father like a, a Pagani. And it would, that, that, need, that desperation and that need when you have an orphan spirit, I'm telling you, one of the side effects of being orphaned is being a call-out culture type person. And I, I, I think when I got healed, I realized what I really wanted was the attention of the people I was calling out. Wow. And that's a deep wow. read on this situation wow. that you'll never hear anybody say. Matter of fact, I remember when I got healed, delivered, set free from my own orphan wounds, and it was a long journey. I remember going back and even reaching out to some of those pastors. And now I've since reconciled with them and even done ministry with them, which is powerful. But I, I wanted to at least introduce that into this because, and, and I think probably 
if they're listening to me now, because I know they're probably going to watch this entire thing and make montages for us this week about how we're all false prophets. Hi. But I don't think that you're even aware of it on that level. Mm. And I think that one of the biggest things that you've got to do is say, God, am I doing this out of a wound? Am I calling other people out of a wound? And it's masquerading as self-righteousness. And, you know, I've got it figured out, but that's pride. And usually what's hiding behind pride is some of the most brokenness that you could ever see. Wow. And man. it's right behind that pride. And for me, I live that. Matter of fact, I shut all my websites down. I shut all my accounts. And I, my form of repentance was killing all that stuff off. And I, I honestly believe that during the pandemic, it was the Lord who said, I'm going to resurrect you where you died, wow. you know, and man, gave me a, my social platforms back now mm. as a son, not an accuser. He's like, now that you stopped sounding like the devil and you started sounding like me, I can wow. give it back. You know, and it's wow. it's so crazy that you say that because the Bible describes Satan as the accuser. But here's yeah, what he say says it. of mm. the brethren. So you think about this. Satan accuses the brethren, he accuses the church, he accuses preachers, he accuses pastors. When you build your ministry, I, I know mm. I'm going to say something controversial here as well. On accusing people, you're partnering with demonic spirits. You're actually building on a demonic foundation mm -hmm. because God does not bless accusations. What does God do? Uh. What does God do when we mess up? And let, let me just say this. All four of us should have been disqualified a thousand times. And That's our it. righteousness, right. our, our best day mm -hmm. is filthy rags under God. We've all, none of mm. us deserve the platform. None of us deserve the limelight. None of us deserve a thousand times just Thinking with about lust is fornication, and we should be disqualified. Just just the thought mm -hmm. is is un, is unrighteous in the sight of God. Remember, we're comparing ourselves to God. We're not talking about other pastors. I'm talking about our righteousness. These these mm -hmm. preachers and false prophets, they have this self righteous thing where everybody else is wrong. But understand, our righteousness is filthy rags. The Bible says, like we take on the righteousness of Christ, and what does Christ do with our sin? our accusations he covers us he's our defense attorney in the courtroom okay. of heaven when satan accuses us christ goes mm, are they messed up yeah are they uneducated yeah are they unfit yeah are they lowly yeah but i'm gonna stand as a defense attorney and with my blood and with my spirit and with my righteousness i'm going to come against the accuser of the brethren and say you're wrong about this person so when you're on the other side accusing all the time now again did Paul call people out six times in all the New Testament? Six names. And they were all one sentence, by the way. They didn't write a book about them. You didn't make a channel about them. My point of it is, when we partner with accusations, when we're just accusing everybody of being false, everyone of being a false right. teacher, we're partnering with demonic powers and we're playing into the hand of the enemy. Like I had a guy even recently, he made a video saying like, I dare you to cast the demons out of me. I want you to do, you know, if you cast demons out of me, Isaiah, then I'll make a video saying you're not false and I'll take all my videos down. Like, dude, that's so demonic. You're literally right. challenging me saying, cast my demons out of me. I dare you to try if Christians can have demons. And I'm thinking like, bro, you're letting a demon speak out of you right now. Like in reality, I, I'm just, and I get it. Like we don't give attention. We don't comment. I don't personally, cause I know it's what they want, but I think that there's a deeper issue where there's a brokenness, there's a hurt, yeah. there's an orphan spirit there. And I pray because here's what Jesus said to do. If, the, if those are people are your enemies and they're going against you and they're on the other side, which they are, cause they are, are against us. He goes, bless them. Pray for them. Those that mock you pray for them. Those that, so these people that I'm talking about, 
They're on the top of my prayer list. I'm praying saying, Lord, yep. bless their ministry. Like, why would you pray that the Lord would bless people that are against you? Because Jesus said, bless the enemies, bless those that persecute you, mock you, and call you all these things. So I think we got to change the narrative to now we're blessing those that think we're false. We're blessing those that think. So um, again, I think what you said, Mike, is so right on. I want to also touch on this whole idea of I think a lot of people are considered false prophets because of money or because of cars they drive or because of they have a jet or because they have a big church. But I want to show you what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. So mm. Paul said, he said, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. Mm. So Paul said, there mm. is people preaching for wrong purposes. He says, but others do it from goodwill. But then watch what Paul says. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, which is the first mm -hmm. people, proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but to thinking, afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed that I rejoice. Paul says this, and let me just break it down for you. Paul says, some are preaching with good intentions. He goes, other people are preaching with absolutely terrible intentions. Their jealousy, mm -hmm. envy, money. You could fill in the blank, whatever you think it is that they're preaching for, for, for a car, for a jet, for a big church. He goes, but here's the thing. I'm rejoicing. Paul says, I'm actually glad about it because I'm in chains and Christ is being proclaimed. But here's what I want to show you guys. And I want you to wrap your head around an amazing principle here, because in Galatians, Paul says, if anyone preaches another gospel contrary to the gospel we preach, let them be cursed. So in mm. Philippians, Paul says, I'm so glad these people that are false are preaching mm. with false motives, Christ. And then Paul says in Galatians, if they're preaching false, let them be accursed. What is Paul contrasting? Paul is saying this. The difference is one of them are preaching for the wrong motives, the right gospel. The other are preaching the right motives, the wrong gospel. So mm. what Paul is pointing out, the contrast is Good. they're distorting the gospel. And that's the issue. The issue is not money, jets, cars. Of course, mm. we're, of course, we're all against all that driving, you know, $300,000, $150,000, whatever, whatever it could be taking the church's money. And I get, I, I want to say this as well. All of you guys watching that are like, this guy's false because he has a lot of money. This guy, 99%. I know I'm going to mess with all the audience here because they're going to think I'm 99% of the guys that you think are false because they have money did not get their money from church. Do not take a salary from, and again, I'm, I want to be like, crucify them. They preach false, but you have to realize they get their money from book sales. They get their money from businesses. They start, they have movie production companies. So like, for instance, Joel Osteen, the guy puts out a book, sells $10 million the first week or $10 million the first month. Right. And you say, how could he be living in a mansion? Again, I'm not validating him. I'm not saying he's right. I don't think, I think his message is wrong. That's what I think. I don't care about his life. I think his actual, what he preaches is content is wrong. But again, the lifestyle is what you guys are mad about. When Paul said, don't worry about the lifestyle, at least Christ is being proclaimed. But then in Galatians, Paul says, the issue is the curse comes when you preach the wrong gospel. So that's where mm. the focus has to be. If you're trying to discern who's a false teacher and who's not stop thinking about what watch they wear and start thinking about what message they preach. Come on. That's a one liner for you. Stop okay. thinking about their private jet and start thinking about their private lifestyle. Mm. It's more about they're out seeing prostitutes. They're out massage parlors. They're out preaching mm -hmm. a easy Jesus. That's false. An easy Jesus is a false Jesus. Not the fact that they flew to the event in a jet. I think that mm -hmm. we have to look at the actual content of the message and realize that Paul is contrasting 
Let them preach if they have bad motives. Let them preach if they have wrong intentions, because at least they're preaching the right thing. But if they're preaching the wrong thing with the right motives, then they're wrong all the time, every time. So I think that's one thing. I don't know if you guys want to talk about that, touch on that when it talks when it comes to preaching for wrong motives or I for see, profit. Uh, the, in the in both, the, so there, there's the I call them the fresh, the false, and then there is the and I wrote it down, and the fast food teachers. Mm. The fast food are not necessarily the ones that are, you know, fast food is not, is not going to kill you. But if you eat fast food all your life, you're, you're going to miss a lot of ingredients. And I see some of these ministries that maybe will target one particular area, let's say faith, or they target only one area and they do not preach the whole counsel of God. As Apostle mm -hmm. Paul says, I taught the whole counsel mm. of God. I see them as fast food uh, preachers, not as false, because if they're, if they believe in the gospel, because if we start calling everyone false who preaches salvation by faith, by uh, by the grace through faith, repentance of sin, divinity of Jesus, Jesus' death, uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture of believers, they believe these truths and they teach these truths. Um, then the thing about it is that just because I disagree with them or just because I don't like their lifestyle or just because I don't like how they spend their money or just because I don't like something, uh, I might not like their style of teaching or I might feel like their style of teaching is not covering topics like hell and judgment here. Maybe they're not too harsh on the sin yet, but if people are meeting Christ, I, in my perspective, how I see that is that it's like fast food where yeah, you can get nourishment, but we know that if people are not taught the doctrine, if people are not taught the other truths that we don't like to a lot of times hear about, then they're not going to grow in health. And then there is the fresh, which covers both the inspiration, the revelation, and application, and it also brings the doctrine. It both encourages and it brings correction. And then there's false. And, and the Paul, you mentioned Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, and the rest of them. If we look in the context of a New Testament apostles, when they were addressing false teachers and false prophets, they didn't deal necessarily as much with behavior as with their belief system. When people would mm. add Christ plus the law, they would Come call on. them false. When people would walk in the loose lifestyle where they didn't uphold righteousness and holiness and did not preach Jesus only as a way to salvation, they Come would call on. them false. And so, and if we look at today, how we kind of broaden that whole false teacher to pretty much anybody who doesn't go and doesn't subscribe to our belief system, who we don't like, whom our denomination doesn't accept. Right. And so, and I think that we're in a very dangerous territory one of the things that when I was younger my uncle who is my uh, both spiritual father and my pastor I was about 13 and a half 14 years of age I just started to preach he kind of was guiding us he would take us on Sunday night to different smaller churches and big churches around Seattle area where we would practice our preaching for five to six minutes because in Russian churches there's like five sermons every service so like there was enough for little guys to practice like me we would drive back home and he would tell us something he's like when the charismatic movement came in the former Soviet Union and charismatic movement at the time was simply meant worship, uh, one sermon instead of five and then women didn't have to wear head coverings and you can wear makeup. That was pretty much what charismatic movement looked like. He's like, I was a strong opponent against it because my pastor grew up Baptist. So he's like, I was so against it. I preached against it. I uh, did seminars against it. I went to those high movements with notes to find all of their flaws. I reported back to the district and to the bishops everything against it. 
And he said, then as I made more visits to study this movement, to criticize it, I started to notice the commitment to prayer that I lacked. Mm, I started to notice the commitment on. to evangelism I did not have. I started to notice people radically getting changed. And he says, something happened with me. I started to encounter God in a new way. He eventually started to become a missionary. He started to plant churches and he became the very person he criticized. He told me something I will never forget. He said, Vlad, one of the reasons I believe the Lord withheld greater supernatural from my life is because I grieved the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. in my younger days in ignorance. He says, I did it in ignorance. Wow. But he says, I grieved the Lord and he did not allow my mission exploits to experience an abundance of the supernatural. I'm 14 years of age. He looks at me with this eyes I will never forget till this day. He said, in your days, God will do things you will not understand. He said, nobody asked you to open your mouth. He said, keep it zipped. He said, always be a student, not a scholar. He said, always be a creator, not a critic. He says, the moment you start criticizing something, that means you stopped creating something. He says, you, it's not because God upgraded your anointing to be a police, spiritual police. It's because you already lost something where you had with the Lord. And now the only thing you want to stay relevant with is criticizing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. and, he's, and he told me this, he said, if you want God to continuously use you, he said, don't take that route. And honestly, like, and I'm looking at us right now. I know that we're being criticized. We're being attacked. And, and that comforts me. Come what on. will comfort me is when we will not get that because that yes. means that we lost something and we will now be tempted to go on the critic side and so I think when we stop getting criticized we have to become the coaches to the next generation and to the next movement and spearhead it and direct it and so but and it's been my prayer so Lord guard my heart not to attack anything I don't understand that I don't like that I don't agree with anything that doesn't fit my necessarily way I would do ministry and help me to learn, eat the meat, throw away the, bo throw away the bones. And right. unless it's heresy, like right. they preach Jesus that is different, they preach sin, that it's okay to do sin, then that's different. And yeah, that, that has to be called out. But everything else, let somebody else, let the Facebook, YouTube prophets call them out. I'm just going to go do my thing and I'm going to keep drawing criticism because I'm going to create revival instead of criticize revival. You know, when you, mm, you know, what so our listeners fail uh, to understand is when 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 you say false, um, what you're really saying is intention to deceive. That's good. And most people, they don't intend to deceive. They are deceived, or they are intending to deceive. But most are not intending to deceive. They're just off somewhere, you know. And even within our group, you know. Sometimes we, us four, we ourselves don't agree with other deliverance ministers that are kind of out there. And I remember us four having this conversation about various deliverance ministries. And I remember clearly saying to you guys, I said, you know what? The reason why I won't address that because I want to make sure that my heart, Come on. I'm not being salty of the mm. fact that the doors are opening for this particular mm. deliverance ministry simply because I don't like the way that they kind of do their thing. You know, so I myself so took good. I took myself back to make sure, like, Lord, am I really concerned about how they're doing ministry, or is that I'm more concerned about that they're getting more of the spotlight wow. in wow. deliverance or in this area that I'm not getting? Mm -hmm. You know, so I've learned to take a step back before I open my mouth, and I would say at least eight out of ten times, uh, if we could be honest here, sometimes we're mad at something that we either want and don't get. <laughs> 
Mm. Or we mad at something we desire to flow in and don't know how. So I used to criticize deliverance ministers and say they're false and sensational. You want to know why? Because I didn't know how to cast out devils and I didn't function in deliverance. Once God threw me in, like your uncle, I had sort of the same experience, but just in the area of deliverance. Now I understand why they do things. Now I understand how they flow and realize, and now I look back and I realize it was a heart issue that I was dealing with in my own heart because I wanted to do something. I wanted to be that bold. Religion doesn't teach us to be bold. It teaches us to be critical. Mm -hmm. It teaches us to be critical. It doesn't teach us to be bold. And I would admire Mm. the boldness of someone and then just say that's sensationalism. It really was in my heart. I was dealing with my own cowardice, Mm. my own deactivity, my own issues of, man, how can they flow like that? You know, and, but I masked it in criticism. I masked it in, Um, um, they don't talk about Christ enough. They over glorifying the devil. And at the heart of the matter, it was the issue was me. The issue was me. So oh, this is so rich. I, you know what? Where can you find this level of transparency? I mean, honestly, I've been in a lot of circles. I was thinking about this while you guys were sharing. You know, if you if you're hungry, you are not fed by a food critic. You're fed by a chef. Mm, you know, if you're preach. uneducated or it, Say it you again, know, like, so I can write it down. Yeah, I did. Cause I was like getting inspired because it's like, you know, like if you're uneducated Whoa. or illiterate, Whoa. you, you become educated by a teacher, not a literary critic. So it's just like needs are met by those who give, not those who criticize. Mm. And I think what we're all trying to do is we do deliverance because there's a significant need for deliverance. Like we're serving people. Mm. We didn't do it for clout. That's why we're not the sons of Sceva. You know, we didn't do it. Same, you know, same thing for this is what people don't understand about even building influence online. My intention was not to become an influencer. My intention was to serve people in a way that I already served them in the analog world. And Mm. then I found out that people all around the world were saying, wow, I'm not able to get this where I live. I haven't seen this. And Mm. so it's just like, you know, checking your motive at the end of the day is a big part of it. I did want to share something. I kind of cooked up a list for tonight because I feel like this would be a great point to kind of solidify some of what we said with this list. So there's five ways that I've come to identify a false prophet. And I tried to go very broad with these. And some of them have been mentioned already. But number one, they're in ministry or they go into ministry for the income, not the outcome. Mm. And so they're prophets for profit, P-R-O-F-I-T. Mm. And you'll see that they're hustling for Facebook stars. They got every way to give to them, you know, pin tagged in every way possible. But there's not a fruit that remains, you know, they're saying what sounds mm. popular. Number two, uh, they want praise from people more than they want approval from God. Mm. And, you know, the Come test on. that we all have to learn how to endure is will we say it when it's not popular? Mm-hmm. And that's number three. So they're willing to sacrifice being powerful for being popular. And, you know, I think for us, a lot of what we've endured is like some of the messages we preach are popular in certain streams. But then there's other people. I remember somebody dropped a comment on one of my videos and said, the way that you minister and the things that you talk about are going to cause you to be either extremely loved by many or hated by many. But there's Mm -hmm. no in between, you know, and there's a lot of people who would rather be popular than powerful and they sacrifice that. So number four, um, I've over the years, I've seen people become like false prophets become more well versed in Christian culture than Mm -hmm. in Bible verses. Wow. And so, and that's the thing. It's like they spend more time 
surfing through Christian culture, scrolling, obsessively watching everyone else's prophetic words. And then all of a sudden, like they eat a sandwich and they're like, oh, I feel a rumbling. I, I'm going to give a word. And it's like, you're more well-versed in Christian culture than Bible verses. Like, I'd be real interested to see what prophets would prophesy if they didn't have a social media account. Mm. Or what po- prophets would prophesy if they if they didn't ha- have people feeding them information in every direction. And then uh, number five, false prophets um, often want to be in authority very badly, um, but very rarely want to be under authority. Come on. And so I, I watch for people, you know, who when they prophesy, is there a filter for their prophecy? Who are they accountable to? Um, who, you know, or do they do they even submit it to somebody before they publish it, before they make the video? You know, and I think a lot of times I got people like <laughs> I was talking to my church on Sunday about this topic, and I said, you know, I they were, I said we have a system at V1 Church for for how we train prophets, and I said, you know, Jeremiah said we root out and we tear down, but then we also build up and we plant. And so, you know, sometimes I check people, it's like they want to be a prophet to the nations, but they wouldn't even serve in our kids ministry and prophesy over children, you know? And so it's like, if you're prophesying over the things that have a lot of influence on them, a lot of prestige, a lot of glory on them, but you're not willing to, even the prophet Samuel spent how many years in under Eli's leadership in the temple since he was born, just cultivating and nurturing that gift. And we want to skip that whole process And it's like, we don't want to be under authority. And so those five things, as I've been meditating on this for years, you know, what makes a false prophet or how do you become one? It's connected to a lot of character because the gift is free. You know what I mean? He distributes the gift, but it's like your character. Can you sustain actually graduating from the gift of prophecy to the office? And there's so many people that never make that jump because... They, they prophesy like they're in the office and they, they have these national and global pro- prophecies, but they don't carry national and global influence because God never released that to them. That's so good. And I think what we're all pointing to when it talks about identifying false prophets and false teachers is it goes beyond just missing a word. Like I gave a word and it didn't come to pass. Yeah. Well, I hate to say this to y'all, but Jonah gave a word and it didn't come to pass. He said that God's going to destroy the city. That's the word of the Lord. And God didn't destroy the city because the people repented. So there was a condition to the prophecy. Now, was Jonah a false prophet? Of course he wasn't. It was just the people responded to the word in a way that he prophesied they weren't going to respond to the word in and so i would say like you're you're saying it's deeply rooted in all these other issues these surrounding things and i would also challenge you guys i had this thought earlier if you're listening to a teacher right your favorite teacher whether it's me whether it's mike whether it's pagani whether it's vlad whoever your favorite teacher is and that's the only think about this guys the only person you listen to right you only listen to isaiah salver you only listen to pagani you only listen to mike you don't you're you've never listened to anybody else what fruit would be produced in your life? What would you do for God, right? Because think about the guys you listen to that call everybody out. They're the guys, everybody else is false. If they're the only ones you listen to, you would never know about repentance. You would never know how to cast out a demon. You would never know, are you all tracking? You never know about healing. Mm -hmm. You never know about righteousness. All you know is everybody else is wrong and they're right. But what are they right about if the only content they produce is everybody else is wrong? So I want you to understand this is the importance of preaching the full gospel. And in fact, 
I want to point out, guys, something that Jesus said about false prophets in John 10. Now, we've yeah. all heard this preached a thousand times. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what do we all say? I said it. We all said it. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Is it true that the devil still kills and destroys? Absolutely. So is it right to say that? Yes. But I want to point out in John 10, 10, Jesus wasn't talking about the devil, even though it is true. He does still kill mm -hmm. and destroy. Yeah. Jesus was actually talking about the false leaders of Israel. He was talking about false teachers, mm -hmm. false prophets, false leaders, false messiahs. And then Jesus says this, their job is to still kill and destroy. But then watch what Jesus says in John 10, 11. He says, they're false. This is what they do. They still kill and destroy. He says, but I'm the good shepherd. And then he tells us what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep, lays it down for the church. A hired hand. This is what he says. Remember, these are the false leaders. A hired hand. They run when they see the wolf coming. They abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them. The, the uh, flock scatters and the hireling runs because he's only working for money. He doesn't really care about the sheep. So Jesus is telling us, you want to know the sign of a false prophet and a false teacher? They run from the battle. They run from deliverance. Mm -hmm. They run from controversy. When somebody manifests in the church, go bring them to the back, shut it down. We can't have that in our building. <laughs> when people are struggling, in fact, Jeremiah <laughs> tells us, I don't know where it's at, but I had it written down somewhere. Jeremiah tells us false prophets they try to soothe mortal wounds with superficial treatment. He says, listen, they're trying to deal mm -hmm. with spiritual wounds in the natural. And when there's spiritual issues, when you come to your pastor and say, I've been going through addiction. I've been having thoughts in my head, speaking to me, telling me to kill myself. Like I'm demonized. Like I'm talking really, I need deliverance. And they say, oh, you know, Christians can't have demons. Not that big of a deal. We don't really deal with your type. And, you know, we'll just, we'll just pray you through the sinner's prayer. And they run from your battle. They run from the fight. No, a good shepherd says, oh, devil, you, how dare you try to walk up in this house, mess with my sheep, mess with my people. No, God has put these people under my care so I could defend you from the wolf. So this is the difference. They run from battle. The sign of a false teacher says, that's not my job to deal with people like you. And this Good. was, let me parallel this in Luke 13. Remember the woman in the synagogue, 18 years? And what happened? Jesus cast the demon out of her. And here's what the false teachers say, the false Pharisees, the leaders. They go, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. To them, it was work. It was, it was work to cast out demons. It was work to heal the sick. And Jesus mm -hmm. goes, this isn't work. I don't, mm. it's not, I don't cast our demons because I have to. I Come cast our demons because I get to. So we don't so consider good. deliverance work. We don't consider miracles work. And then Jesus mm. goes, you guys untie your donkey on the Sabbath and you're mad at me that I'm untying people from the bondage of Satan? Like, mm. you do all this work. Here's what he was saying. You do all this work to build your church and to build your empire and to do programs and picnics and outreaches and all these things. Mm -hmm. And you're mad at us that we're putting in work to cast out demons. He says, no, you're a false teacher. You're a hireling. You're a John 10. The thief who's the false teacher comes to still kill and destroy. But Jesus goes, I've come to bring life. I've come to bring healing. I've come to bring deliverance. I've come to drive the false leaders out of the church. Like, I don't know if you guys read this. Jesus makes a whip yeah. premeditated and drives out the false leaders and the false teachers out of the house of God and says, you've turned my house into a den of thieves when it's supposed to be a house of prayer. So guys, ministry is not my employer. It's not my occupation. 
ministry is my overflow of my relationship with Christ. Like I would be doing this for free. If I got no paycheck, if I didn't have any income, I would be doing this. So false shepherds, I just want to throw that in there. They don't fight back. Okay. They don't fight for you. They don't war for you. They check in, they check out. And Jesus was saying, these are false leaders. They're cowards and they run from it. They don't fight it. And then in Matthew 7, 15, he says they're, they come as sheeps in but inside they're ravenous wolves. So I want to, last thing I'll turn over to one of you guys because I know I talk too much. Um, here's what Jesus said. The issue with false teachers is not the outside. Again, it's not what they wear on their wrists. It's not what they drive. It's inward. This is an inward issue, Jesus says in Matthew 7, 15. Inwardly, they're wolves. So like, it's not even the outside. The issue is not even what they're wearing. The issue is their heart. They have that, like you said, mm-hmm. Mike, that orphan spirit. They've been wounded by the church. They've been hurt. Let me say this, guys. I, I want to know why are these guys, like these big YouTubers, so against miracles, right? So against deliverance, so against signs and wonders, prophecy, speaking in tongues. I've watched hours of their content, as probably all of you guys have, because I want to get in their head. I want to know why are they so against it? 99% of the guys I've watched got hurt at a charismatic church, got hurt at a Pentecostal church, got hurt because they asked the Lord to give them tongues and they didn't get it. So if they didn't get it, it must not be real. I have never found a guy that calls people out or preaches against all these people and against the Holy Spirit and against miracles that genuinely is just healthy. They're always wounded by someone or something. It's a bad place to be. I really believe God is exposing, God is removing, and God is opening eyes tonight to understand like guys this is a real thing going on we got to get in the battlefield and we got to fight for people you know before we get into the reason why we're kind of spending so much time in the opening of the show in trying to help people we're trying to help you become a bit more balanced before you be so quick to call somebody false Mm. now this doesn't mean that there isn't a biblical protocol to help us solidify the difference between a a false prophet and a real one we're gonna get into that tonight as well guys because i i know that my our theological heresy hunters they're listening and they're thinking these guys are sugarcoating they got they're kind of like sugarcoating maybe false prophets no what we're trying to do is help you understand that many of you are calling people false who actually aren't false come on they might be an immature prophet they might be an underdeveloped prophet they might be a misguided prophet or a sincerely wrong prophet but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're false yes there is a biblical paradigm and worldview and scriptural sequential line of thinking that the scriptures let us know to be able to help us identify what is real prophet and a false prophet and i think that this is what pastor vlad is ready to begin to release to your people so that way we can go into some more what what does the bible say and what are the scriptural requirements to identify a false prophet which we ourselves adhere to come on from scripture so i know so, you man. have uh some 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 stuff that's written there uh-huh. that i think it's really really good because i think this would be a good opportunity for us to get to some mm-hmm. of the theological uh identifications of what would mm-hmm. be a real prophet and a false prophet because i'm i'm reading some of the comments and i'm seeing that many people are assuming that we're kind of sugarcoating uh mm-hmm. the idea of prophets call <laughs> people to write this heard any of us preach if you think we sugarcoat i'm like we're like the hardest preacher i know i'm reading some of the comments i'm seeing that they're assuming that we're yeah, thinking that yeah. we're kind of mm-hmm. giving false prophets a pass no we are yeah, not mm-hmm, giving absolutely. false prophets a pass what we're trying to help 
people understand is is that many people have been mislabeled false yes. and really they're not false they're just underdeveloped uh untrained and mm -hmm. maybe they just need to develop a little bit more um and we want to be able to help you identify that without you calling everything false that actually isn't false it's good there, there are two types of false prophets the first one is the one that has allowed the spirit of divination into their life and this gift comes from another spirit other than God. And it's important to understand it's how the psychics um, and fortune tellers and mediums operate. And if we remember uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 16 and down that the woman who was giving very accurate descriptions of Apostle Paul and his uh, co-laborer uh, for days, and she was very accurate. And so the problem where many people would fall under this kind of a, even a spell or this kind of um, prophetic utterances and because some people will add a little bit of scripture some people would add a little bit of uh, Bible to it and they would feel like well I'm getting it correctly I'm seeing things in the spirit therefore I must be a prophet but just because you're seeing things and just because you can read the future predict the future it doesn't mean that you're operating on, on from the gift of God it could be that there could be a gift of um, the demonic divination that is operating and and some people I've seen it where before deliverance who would get very accurate scary terrifying Come dreams on. or they would get clear pictures and always negative always had to do with death and they would come true they were there were people in our ministry I did not when we didn't practice deliverance I really thought it was prophetic wow. until demons start coming out and the very demon that came out was a demon of python mm -hmm. which i didn't put the two two together at first when the, that python came out and this person got delivered it's interesting that right after that all of these visions and dreams they stopped mm -hmm. but they were so accurate they were so dead on and people were lived in this fear and so it's important to understand that false prophet a lot of times they they're operating under a spirit of divination but typically those are the people who don't subscribe to the teachings of Jesus Christ and to the Bible and they're kind of like mainly new agers they're open to there's God many ways to heaven right. the second type of false prophet is the one that started with the call of God to be a prophet sometimes from their birth or after they received Jesus Christ and then they fall away from Christ and it's interesting because in Romans chapter 11 verse 29 it says that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable and so you can still operate in the gift even if you're no longer under the anointing mm. of the Holy Spirit and we see that with Balaam where you know Balaam kind of and there's many versions of some people saying he was never really a prophet some people saying he was a prophet and so I'm going to lean toward the fact that he heard God the fact that uh, the angel of God encountered him and the fact that he God came to him in the night and he didn't seem like he was a stranger to God mm -hmm. and so and we'll leave the rest of that to to, uh, to other day to discuss and then but the point being is that the Bible did refer to him as a soothsayer and so there was something that changed and we see that in the beginning when God came and says who are these men you know and he's like well they came to curse Israel and if you would know anything about God you probably should know that Israel is his family mm -hmm. so if anybody comes and says I want to curse Israel your answer should be right away uh no that's not gonna work because me and God are good and that's God's kids and I'm not doing there for no money the fact that he even had the audacity to wait and hear from God that indicates even though he maybe knew the mind of God he did not share God's heart 
and God clearly stated no yeah. and then he goes in again, asks for it later on and God says yes but even though he did, he said what God said, he didn't do what God asked him to do and he walked already with this prize thing about him and, and so and then he, he drifted away from that. And so I wrote down just like Mike but my, my references are not as maybe catchy um, <laughs> but I'm just going to mention the reference between the false prophet and the real prophet um, is that we know them by their fruit um, according to Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 all the way till verse 27. We already mentioned, I'm just going to recap that and so we test those claiming to prophesy by their fruit. That is by their lifestyle, by their character, by their teaching and by their influence. So lifestyle, character, teaching and their influence and these are the four. Lifestyle, are they walking in holiness, character, Come how on. is their character, how they're treating their family, how is their teaching and then the influence. Are people who are listening to them, do they love Jesus more or they actually love their sin more? And then we hmm. realize is they're dressed like sheep. That means that they're not acting, they're not in the, sh in the shepherding, they're not shepherding and I like what you mentioned Isaiah is that they're like wolves, they're, they live off the sheep, they eat the sheep for mm -hmm. living. Shepherds, they die for the sheep and the false prophets, they have the nature of a wolf but they have the appearance of a sheep so they blend in with the sheep but what they have inside and you can test it very quickly is do they enrich the sheep's life or yep. do they get enriched because of the sheep? Wow. The third characteristic is the false prophets, they do have power and miracles which would make them difficult to discern mm -hmm. because those of us who are hungry for supernatural, sometimes we can lack discernment in our desperation. If you remember a few, few months ago when you mentioned how desperation clouds many people's discernment. I have a dog, his name is Jacko and uh, sometimes he gets so thirsty he goes drinks water from a toilet. Mm -hmm. He lacks discernment, he doesn't realize it's Preach. not a, it looks like water to him so he just goes in and, and drinks that water That's and when you lack when you're in your desperation lack discernment you will think that just because it's a miracle or just because it came true or just because I got healed that means it must be from God but the source of it might not be from God so false prophets where it makes them dangerous is the fact when their ministry begins to be confirmed with signs and wonders false prophets number four is they operate with the antichrist nature but they're not anti-Jesus mm. they are for Jesus they are not for Christ they are anti Christ. They are anti-Jesus the Savior, they are anti-Jesus the Messiah, but they're all for Jesus, the historic Jesus, the one who, who, mm. who is a good teacher, good feel-good Jesus. Mm -hmm. Number five is a false prophet, they don't listen to anyone but only God. They see every correction as persecution. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 32 in Amplified Version it says the following, that prophets are to be subject and the word subject means that subject to being silenced as necessary. Hmm. Subject to the church. Silenced meaning to be subject meaning to be silenced as necessary. So that means that if a prophet is not submissive to the body when he's sent to be a gift to the body that he's not, something is off there. So he mm. needs to be silenced if necessary. And so most of churches have protocol for prophetic ministry but the moment the prophet begins to control the pastor, begins to control the church, control the apostle, the, a lot of that is a form of witchcraft instead of the gift to the body. Number six is false prophets are motivated by pride, not by love. Come on. They draw Come on. attention to themselves, not attention to the body or to Christ. Number seven yes. is false prophets use control, use fear, I'm sorry, to control people. They're 
Mm. Their, their goal is control and their method is fear. And a lot of times when prophetic okay. words or dreams, they come true, what it does is it creates fear. When there is a fear of a prophet instead of fear of God, in the New Testament, something is off. I know in the Old Testament, people were scared when Samuel came in, right. but we have to fear God, not the prophet. And number eight is false prophets are usually after prophets, not after purity. They lack purity in them. They might fall for popularity and profits, but they lack purity. And number nine is false prophets. They don't like the church. My God. Prophets, <laughs> good wow. prophets, they're a gift wow. to the church. They're subject to the church. They work alongside of the pastor, the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher. They build the church. Right. The false prophets, they do not like the church. No church. They jump from one church to another. I call them, they're like the, you know, there's organ banks, the banks that hold organs. The problem with those organs that are in the bank is they're not in the body. <laughs> and so these, these men, they claim to be part of the body, meaning because they're a member, but in reality, they're not in the body, they're in the bank. Right. They're so anointed, they're so, they're so deep, and they're so close to God that nobody else can help and nobody else uh, can correct them. And the last Preach. thing that I want to mention is that they always live by God said instead of it is written. Anytime there is an overemphasis on God said, anything that came to me into my head is from God, and we minimize the importance of the written word of God. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he did not tell the devil God said. He said it is written. And I'm teaching especially younger people, those of you who have the gift of prophecy, and you don't have the office of the prophet. And every single time you're preaching and you're saying, God said, God said, God said. Now, I know God doesn't speak that much to you. Right. You're saying that to validate whatever you're saying next and to give mm -hmm. yourself a little bit more of a boost. Come on. And it also shows that you don't know the scriptures. Come on. Mm. You didn't study the Bible to show yourself approved. Paul said to Timothy, he didn't say just develop your prophetic gift. He says, fan the flame. But he says, study the word. Know yeah. your word, which is the sword of the spirit. You know, what we fail to realize is like, the major prophets in scripture like Ezekiel, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the, the volume of their book was written based on a collection of prophecies that was given to them throughout their lifetime. So good. Not one day after the other. So you got 66 chapters of the book of Isaiah. It wasn't that God spoke to him every day for 66 days. So I get leery when people every day say Preach. the lord told me this oh yeah the lord told me to put this dress on oh the lord told me to go to mcdonald's this day like when they consistently god is not talking that frequently every single day what we have is a volume of prophetic utterances that were given to the prophets when god wanted to speak they were not consistent they were not every day now did god speak to the prophets every day through prayer and meditating on the torah obviously he does because the holy spirit speaks to us every day but does god give us a prophetic word every day obviously not now does he speak to us through scripture every day obviously yes does he speak to us through the gift of prophecy every day obviously not so when i hear people um, say the Lord said, 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 and and they think that that's exactly God speaking. Then there's something wrong because so the scriptures. Uh, as a matter of fact, the reason why they even called the minor prophets was these prophets lived their whole lives and only got three prophetic words. <laughs> Come on, the book of Haggai is literally three three chapters. You mean to tell me in all these fifty years that this prophet was alive, he only got three 
prophetic utterances that made it into the canon of scripture? Yes. Why? Because God wasn't speaking to Haggai every single day so good. for every little thing. That, listen, there's a reason why they like that. And those of you that are watching, we're not saying that God is not speaking to you. We're not saying that these individuals aren't prophets. What we are questioning is the validity of the frequency. The frequency, and I don't mean the sense of like wavelength. I mean in the amount of thing, the amount of words being released mm -hmm. every day, every day, every day, every day. That's not how scripture. If it took God 3,000 years to write scripture, how is God giving you 3,000 words in one year? Preach. I'm going to leave it there. Preach. Mike, you want to jump in there at all? <laughs> Burn that. <laughs> Mike, can you hear me? Yeah, I went. I glitched out for a second. I was laughing so hard it just like straight up almost crashed my computer. Screen. These guys are dropping so much fire. I couldn't even keep up. I was just laughing. You want to jump in at all, or you want me to jump in here? Oh, listen, I'll jump in just briefly because I'm still like I'm taking notes for days. Pastor Vlad's like, yeah, I've got a little something. It doesn't sound as good. And then he just throws like, <laughs> 10, like it's only 10. Then, it's only 10 bombs here for you guys. Yeah, so like good. amazingly well written. And then Pagani's throwing down. I'm just like, I'm literally enjoying. I got lost for a second because. But anyways, no, you know what I was thinking about is this. We all I think, you know, we when you're a parent, how often do you discipline your kid out of love and compassion or anger? Mm. So when we talk about calling out false prophets, it, it, but you're not doing it out of love, mm. you're, you're not doing it right. And so it's like, that's something I wanted to introduce in this conversation yeah. because, you know, I'm going to call them out. I'm going to call them out. Okay. So Christ, he didn't just call us out. He died on the cross so that we could be transformed. So it was like, hey, yes, I'm going to confront your sin. Yes, I'm going to expose it. Yes, I'm going to call you out. But then I'm going to die on the cross and make a way so that you can be what I've called you to be. And so it's like what happens is we're like these abusive. A lot of these call out people are like abusive parents that just get mad that the kids are doing something and just want to throttle them and just beat them ruthlessly. And see, the thing is, the product of beating a kid out of anger is significantly different than disciplining them out of love. So what happens is it's like, as, as you know, these YouTubers, like they need another, you know, it's like, here's what happens. The people who build their whole ministry on prophecy, prophesying need prophecies because that's yep. how they're making their money. That's how they're yep. building their audience. The people who are calling ministries out need more videos, more content. So what happens is it, it, it distorts and perverts what God's trying to do. And it, it makes you adversarial. And I think that's what we're trying to do is dismantle that, that element of becoming adversarial where it's like, truthfully, if you build your whole, like, okay, here's the thing. If you build your whole YouTube platform off of calling out false prophets, what would you do if every person you called out like immediately repented and changed? Well, how, what would you, how would you build your channel? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, Preach. you know, so it's like you built this entire paradigm off of anger, hate, rage, and none of it looks like gentleness, kindness, peace, meekness, or any of the fruits of the spirit. And so it's like, you're just ruthlessly beating people and saying, but man, I'm here to tell you the love of Christ. Get out of here with that. Come on. So I think for me, what this conversation looks like um, from the call out king, somebody, what'd you call him? Uh, apostle, the heresy hunters. Heresy hunters. Yeah. I, I feel like that's going to become a show. <laughs> Somebody's going to start already the heresy. Is. I think it already is a channel. Oh, is it? Uh, I think so. You know, so. but, but for <laughs> me, 
Here's my thing. When I go to call somebody out, my question, I say this to my leaders all the time. I say this to my staff members. Are you doing it out of love? Have mm. you prayed for them privately before you post about them publicly? Mm. Have you, have you, have you blessed them privately? You know, you thought you think about Matthew chapter six, like don't be like those guys, those Pharisees that are always doing everything publicly because they want to be seen. What are you doing in private? And I think for me, it's like, why are these heresy hunters, these people, why are you not confronting it in your neighborhood, in your block? Why is it only online where there's a high level of visibility? Are you taking pastors out for lunch to confront their, their them as false teachers? Um, no, of course you're not. Because you don't want to develop relationship. You don't love them. You don't care about them. You're just doing it in a public sphere where your influence can increase as a result of it. And your motive is so obvious. So for me, I think there's so many things that have been said tonight that I just, I hope and I pray bring conviction, repentance. I, I, I believe that there's some orphan spirit guys who are out there like I, something. I, I feel like some hearts are being dealt with right now. They're like the tone of tonight's broadcast has been very different than any other broadcast we've had, because I feel like we're speaking into the depths of people's hearts tonight. And I think people's conscience is being restored because in order mm -hmm. to call people out all day and to become like that, you have to sear your conscience. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know what I mean? It's like you got to get to the point where now Apostle Bagani, he's not a human. He's not a father, a husband, mm -hmm. a brother, wow. uh, you know, Pastor Vlad. He's not a human. To call these people out, you have to dehumanize them, which is a cousin to murder. You mm -hmm. start getting into this thing where you mm -hmm. massacre them on the Internet. It's like a spirit wow. behind That's that. Good. And so you have to rehumanize somebody to actually dignify their whole life. And for, for me, I think that there's a lot of the Lord's bringing some heavy conviction tonight. I feel it. And I believe tonight, here's the thing, this broadcast, we're going to feel the fruit of this six months from now, eight months from now. I believe it by faith. And I want to say too, I feel like people are also getting healed that have been hurt by false prophets, false teachers. And again, we're not talking about just people that false prophesy. We're talking about people that preach a false gospel, that preach an easy. Jesus said the way that leads to death is easy. The way that leads mm -hmm. to life is narrow. So when you're preaching, people always ask me, how do I know if my pastor is preaching a false gospel? The easiest way to know is, is the gospel he preaches an easy gospel to live out? If it's easy, it's the broad road because Jesus said the, the road that leads to death is the broad. It's the easy road. Come and on. we have to go, you know, we have to get healed. First of all, if you've been wounded, you've been hurt. God wants to heal you. God wants to renew you. God wants to restore you. But you have to also understand the grace that God has given you, give them that grace. Like I, I, in my early days, listen, I was cutting everybody's head off. I was calling everybody out. I had friends calling me like, bro, you called out like 10 guys in one video. And I was realizing I'm picking battles that I don't even have time to fight. Like, why am I, right. why am I calling this dude out when I have all these other demons I need to be fighting, going against? And God really began to show me like, Isaiah, imagine if you gave them the grace I gave you. And that's really what it is. It's the misconception of the grace that God has given me, the patience, like the way God is patient with me, I'm patient with them. And so now yeah. when I look at some of these guys that I want to mm -hmm. blast them, I'm like, my page is bigger. Mm -hmm. My pride rise. Like I want to blast them. I'm like, I want to make a video. I just have to be like, nah, I'm not going to do it because God has given me grace. God has given me mercy. God has given mm -hmm. me peace. God has given me room for error. And I'm going to give them the same grace God has given me. But when you forget okay. what God has done, come on, help me preach Holy mm -hmm. Ghost. Come when on. you forget where God has brought you from, Walk. when you forget they used to be Pagani, he used to call people out doing deliverance. Mike, you, guys, I don't know if you just jumped in here. Mike made a website. Like, I want you to think about this. He made a <laughs> website 
calling people out. Like you had to sit down, type in code. This was how many years ago? Like you had, it wasn't, there was no Squarespace. There was no Wix. There was no, none of that. You had to actually make the code, everything just to call people out. Like, bro, the lengths that you went through staying up at night, thinking about the website being built. And then now God has redeemed you, restored you, renewed you, healed you. Like, we're not telling you guys this because we don't know what we're talking about. We're telling you this because it's damaging to the body of Christ. And Ooh. also it's a, it's a major issue right now. If you look at Jude, I just wanted to point out a couple things Jude addresses with false teachers. Cause I know what is a false teacher? What is, and we're, we're breaking it down. We've given you so much about false teachers, but if you look at verse three, he says, dear friends, I've been eagerly planning to write you about the salvation we all share. So he's like, I want to write you about something. I want to tell it to you about salvation, miracles, signs, wonders, deliverance. But he goes, but here's the thing. I now find that I have to write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted for you all for all time to his holy people. But then I want you to see what he says in verse four. He says, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying, and this is what the false teachers are saying, that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. And then he writes this, the condemnation of such people was recorded long ago for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, I want to define for you, this is Jew talking, the characteristic number one of a false teacher is they're ungodly. They live these ungodly lives. They don't talk like God. They don't walk like God. The things they listen to. Remember, being godly is how you live your life. What does it mean to live a godly life? It means you live a holy, consecrated life. You're not listening to everything people listen to. You're not watching the your culture. Your lifestyle changes the way that you talk. I don't talk like everybody else. I'm not interested in what everybody else is interested in. And he says, these people are ungodly. I remember hearing about a revival where I won't say the name because everybody knows the revival it was like one of the biggest revivals in American history. And I have a friend who was best friends with the guy leading it. And he was telling me when it all broke out where this guy was cheating on his wife and doing all these things, it started by him watching horror movies all the time. He used to leave the revival service and watch horror movies every single night. He was absolutely addicted to horror movies. So this is a guy preaching revival, seeing revival, but living ungodly. Like that's an ungodly lifestyle to be addicted to horror movies. And then again, from the horror movies, it went into drinking once in a while and it's just one beer and being drunk. You know, as long as you're not drunk, brother, and my question always is like, how do you know when you're drunk? Is it like I'm one sip away from being drunk and that's sin? So it's you lead through this lifestyle of ungodliness. But I want you also to understand, not only do they live ungodly, but he also says they deny the Lordship of Christ. Now, all of you in the chat are saying no one would ever deny the Lordship of Christ. If they do, if they denied Christ, we'd all run. Like no one's going to listen to a false teacher that denies Christ. But I want you to note what he says. He says they deny not Christ. They deny our master and Lord Christ. So he says, here's what they're doing. They're not denying you of Jesus. Like they have you felt the card invite Jesus to build a treehouse in your heart. Here's what they deny. They deny Jesus lording over you. They deny the fact that Jesus is Lord and master, which means this, call me legalistic. I love it. You don't get to do whatever you want. You don't get to watch whatever you want. You don't get to drink whatever you want. You don't get to go. So these mega churches, let me just say this, that are fault at that, that the pastors are false teachers. They live ungodly and compromise here. Here's what scares me guys. If you go to 95% or more of these mega churches, and I have some in my city, I have one on their websites, just go to their website. I would challenge some of you to do this. Go to the about me of the pastors and go look at the category where it's favorite movies. I was looking at a mega church and again, this is public information of, of our, in my old city. I was looking at one of the mega churches 
and the pastor's favorite movie at that, oh, I don't know if it's still there, was like Scarface. There was another one, I don't remember the name, but it was all these movies that are like murder, cussing, drugs, like this is the senior pastor. And I'm going like on the website, but this is what Jude is saying, they live ungodly. They deny mm. Jesus lording over people and Jesus being the master. So they'll preach this. And some of you guys, I've, I've already been describing your favorite YouTubers and you're, you're actually your pastor. When I'm describing a false teacher, you're like, oh, that's my pastor. Is they literally say, Jesus doesn't have to control everything. You can live for yourself. He's this nice, hip, relaxed. Jesus is your homeboy. And you can kind of just live in compromise and do whatever you want. But he's not really like your master. Like you don't have to submit to him. There's no standard really. You know what Paul said? Paul said, I'm a slave of Christ. Like, mm. and I know we always preach, oh, we're not slaves, we're friends of God. Paul said, no, no, I'm actually a slave mm -hmm. of God. I'm a slave yeah, of slave. Christ. He goes, you call me apostle, but just call me slave of God. James said the same thing, slave of Christ, slave of God. And this is what they don't tell you that like, you have to be a slave to Christ. You have to lay everything down. And then he says, they claim authority from their dreams and visions. Like they just claim wow. that in verse eight, he says, they claim yes. authority, always, always dreams. Now listen, I know I'm gonna start stepping on toes here, but they're always dreaming. It's like every night I had a dream, I had a dream, I had a dream. And then here's what he said they do in verse eight. They claim authority from their dreams. So you look at their dreams, they type it out on Facebook, YouTube, whatever. And then you go, who gives you the authority to say that? Cause you're saying some crazy stuff right now about God. And they go, oh, I get my authority from my dreams. I had a dream last night, I had a dream last Some of these guys, mm. listen, I'm not trying to talk down. I've done, I've done five hours of teaching on dreams. I believe in dreams. I'm the guy, like, I believe in it. I love it. I want more mm. dreams. I want more visions. But yeah, you ain't dreaming that much. Come on, every single right. night, the Archangel Gabriel's showing uh -huh. up to you, giving you a, a 45 paragraph word every night. So this is where we have to be careful because our authority doesn't come from dreams and visions. It comes from Christ. Our authority yeah, comes from being submitted under leadership. So he says, they claim authority from their dreams. Verse eight, they live immoral lives. We already talked about that. They defy authority and they scoff at supernatural beings. They scoff at supernatural beings. So he said, you got to understand these people refuse accountability. They refuse coming under covering and they use the marvelous grace of God as a license to sin. This is what he says. They use the grace of God as a mm -hmm. license to live however you want. You can just live immoral. It doesn't matter. You don't have to live committed. You don't have to be faithful to your wife. You don't have to be faithful to your marriage, mm -hmm. to your family. You can kind of do whatever you want. And he defines these people as false teachers. They worm their way into the church, into mm -hmm. leadership, and they take the marvelous grace of God, which is amazing. By the way, the grace of God is incredible. Paul says, I am what I am because mm -hmm. of grace. That's my secret weapon. Mm -hmm. But grace is not a license to live recklessly. Oh, it's the oh, power so to live please. righteously. Grace, the grace of God is not a get out of sin free or, or a sin free card. It's a not when I sin, it's if I sin. How many of you mm -hmm. know the eraser on a pencil? The eraser on a pencil is not so that you can make mistakes and you just erase them after. It's in case you make mistakes, not so that oh, you good. can make mistakes. So the eraser's there, not for you to mess up on purpose. It's for if you accidentally make a mistake while writing, you got an eraser to back you up. That's the grace of God. It's there as the eraser. If I mess up on accident, God erases it. But if I'm purposely messing up just to use the eraser, that's not great. the grace of God. And Jude says they use the grace of God. So again, if you're in this loose, God just loves everybody. You can live how you want there. You know, you can live immoral. If the pastor's living immoral, like, listen, if your pastor's living crazy, going crazy, doing all these crazy things, he, he's, he's a false teacher. According to the Bible, he's living yes. immoral. We have to set the standard. We have to sustain from the appearance of evil. 
And we have to stop thinking false teachers are going to come in in a trench coat saying, I'm a false teacher. Here I am. Like, no, they're going to come wise. They're going to come ravenous wolves, angels of light. They're going to come looking like sheep and they're going to preach a manipulated gospel, a false gospel, an add-on gospel, and they're going to live immoral. They're going to preach to Jesus. They're going to run from the battle. And we've given you guys tons of points here. If you can't discern a false teacher after the tonight, God gave you nine, Mike gave you five, I just gave you three or four, Bagani gave you five or six. Like you've gotten over 20 ways to identify a false teacher. I really believe tonight, supernaturally, I know anyone wants to make closing remarks here. Uh, I believe I tonight the, uh, God's going to remove the, yeah, God's going to remove the veil. God's going to remove the um, deception off people tonight. I'm going to just read one more uh yeah from one more portion of scripture about the false teacher um in second peter chapter 2 verse 1 it says but there but there were also false prophets among the people even as there were there will be false teachers among you who will mm. secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the lord who brought them and bring on themselves swift destruction if you um read the P apostle peter's letter he kind of highlights these four four um, things that I will mention concerning the false teachers. Is they're secretive in their approach. Come on. He says that in verse one. He also says that we already have mentioned that they have a doctrinal errors. They deny Jesus Christ. And then number three is that they walk in destructive ways, meaning they glory in Christian freedom, but wow. they are indifferent to Christian duty. And he mentions that in Second Peter chapter two verse eleven, he says, "Especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority, they are presumptuous, self-willed. They're not afraid to speak of dignitaries." And then uh, a few verses later, they said, "While they promised them liberty, mm -hmm. they themselves wow. are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him who he is brought into bondage." Mm -hmm. And then the fourth sign of the false teacher is that they take advantage of their followers to enrich themselves in 2nd Peter chapter 2 verse 3 it says by covetousness they will exploit you with deceitful words for a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber and I, I'm gonna just mention the seven tests of healthy teaching number one is does it reinforce the Word of God Come on. number two is does it lead me to Christ number three is does it fill me with love for his church Hmm. Number four is, does it strengthen my faith and give me an honorable purpose in life? Number five is, does it, does it turn me away from wrongdoing and promoting righteousness and purity in my life? Number six is, does it find wide acceptance and affirmation by notable men of, and women of God? Mm -hmm. Number seven is, does it build the body of Christ equipping the believers and me for the work of ministry? So, so good. So good. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray right now. And if anyone else has any closing remarks, or we'll just go for it and I'll pray because I really believe that God's going to remove some scales off people's eyes, deception, and God's going to open up your eyes to see like maybe you are under a false teacher. Maybe you have been listening to a false prophet. Maybe you do need to turn off some of these accusers, these guys that are accusing. And, I, and again, I know people in the chat are saying, well, when do we call people out? You call people out when you're an apostle. That's when you call people out. When you're a leader of the church, you go to the person, this is what the Bible says, you go to them if you have ought, you bring, you bring it to their attention. If they refuse, you're the leader now. Remember, you got to be the leader. They refuse to repent, then you bring them before the church, and that's biblical church discipline. And you and you cast them out like Paul did. He says, this guy's no longer with me. He's following his own selfish desires. He's no longer following the way. But do you go on social media and blast people that you've never met? Do you go on social media? Do you blast people you don't know, you've never had a conversation with? 
You can, but it's but you have no biblical backing. You can't tell me that's what the Bible says to do. There's nowhere in scripture where it says to do that. Well, what about Paul? He rebuked Peter in front of people. Paul rebuked people in front of people, not in front of 100,000 subscribers and a bunch of random people. Paul was in a group of people. He was a leader, an apostle, and he was talking to another apostle and he was telling them, hey, dude, what are you doing? You're, you're going back now, rebuilding the wall that Christ broke down. And now you're over there eating with the Jews. You don't want to uh, be with the Gentiles now. So Paul mm-hmm. did it in a worthy manner. Again, guys, we don't recklessly get on here and start bashing everybody. We're not God's gift to just go and rebuke everybody. You go to that person. If they don't listen, you can go to a leader. You can go to a pastor but as if you're just a sheep or a lay person or you're just a part of the church you're not a leader you have no business causing dissension in the church you have no business getting up trying to call out leaders call out pastors tell your pastor you have a spirit of religion in jezebel that's not your job now if you are in a church where there is a spirit of jezebel in leadership or they are a false teacher false pastor you tell the pastor i believe god's moving me and you go and you go alone come on can i get an amen in the chat amen. if you leave your church you go alone yeah. you don't need to bring a hundred people with you you don't need and to not bring... like a demon because when demons and some church people leave it's the same a lot of noise come on so bro no you don't need to you just <laughs> hey pastor i'm moving on thank you for all that you've done I bless you, thank you, and you go find a new church. That's what you do. That's the healthy way to do it. If you're in leadership, you ask the pastor to bless you out. You don't go and try to pull 10 families, tell them why the pastor's religious and they don't let God move. Don't do all that. If you're not a leader, you don't have the right to bring reformation in that church. I'm telling you, from 11 years of seeing this over and over and over, people causing splits, causing division, your pastor would be better off letting the Lord reveal it to him than you try to bring dissension in the church. I don't know if anyone wants to remark on that. I know I kind of just opened up another another. No, Let me just kind of interject here a little bit concerning those that, as Isaiah said in what we're saying here, we're not like saying don't call something out as the Holy Spirit leads you, but there's a proper way uh, to call something out. But let me just tell you something about this call-out culture and cancel culture that we're living in is is that calling people out doesn't work. Mm. It never stops that false ministry. It never shuts that ministry down. It actually promotes it. It's actually yeah. promotes it indirectly. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anybody get called out to the Preach. point, to the point that they just shut down their ministry and actually stop. This let me tell you something how these particular ministries that might be presupposed false, what happens when you do call them out in this cancel culture? They actually like it. Yeah. Because you're mentioning their name. Listen, if they can't be famous, they'll be infamous. As long as they're getting promoted, there's no way around that half these false prophets out there that rightly might be false prophets that are getting called out. Some of them, and what's funny is this, is is that even with some of these channels that Isaiah is mentioning, I myself sometimes scroll through some of these heresy hunter type of call out channels, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't even know who these other false prophets are unless by that channel. Yes. So now I'm checking out these other false prophets and I'll be like, okay. so some good stuff there. There'd be some good stuff. I'm like, okay, there's some good stuff here. See what I'm saying? So the idea that calling someone out will actually shut the ministry down, um, unfortunately, social media has given a platform to the voiceless and the disenfranchised and the orphan. Social media, it's its own church without credentials. You could get on and keep getting on, get called out, be called false, and get on the next day and still have your congregation. Calling people out in 2021 does not really work. It actually promotes their ministry 
Ain't nobody shut. It ain't even. It ain't even hurting their pockets. It yep. actually is adding to their pockets. Mm-hmm. That's just what I've seen. Second, Scripture actually gives us an answer about call out. Jesus talked about it in a parable of the wheat and the tares. Yes. He actually said, wow. "Do not call them out because you might damage the wheat while you're trying to pull out the tares." Say it Let again. it grow together, Say it and again. in the end, I will sift between the true and I will sift between the Matthew seven, the Lord, Lord. Did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out demon in your name? Mm-hmm. I will deal with that crowd mm. when they stand before me and not before. Wow, that was so good. And I've seen that over and over again. Someone's on fire for God, radical. They're praying in tongues. They're seeing God move. And then they get on a YouTube video and they're like, I'm just confused now. I feel like, do I don't know, is it real? And they're right. you're damaging the wheat. You're damaging because you confuse this new believer because you're calling out all the people that God used to... To, to bring the gospel to them, and now you've brought confusion. And man, I've never heard that before, what you said there about don't separate them because you're going to, or don't call them out because you'll damage the wheat. And I think it's very damaging. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're opening eyes tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing healing and restoration over every single person that's been wounded right now. Listen, if you've been wounded, if you've been hurt, I feel the Holy Spirit moving and healing right now. He's healing your heart. He's healing your mind. Father, we thank you that your healing power is removing trauma. It's removing unforgiveness. It's removing hurt. Some of you need to forgive that leader, that pastor. Maybe it was a false prophet. Maybe it was a false teacher. Maybe they were just wrong altogether and there's been bitterness. You've been in bondage to that person. But tonight, God is saying, let it go so that I can free you. Let it go so that I can deliver you. Father, we ask for your healing anointing and your healing power to be released in Jesus' name. Lord, right now, for all church hurt, Lord, restore pastors that have been hurt by people leaving them and splitting their church. I pray, Lord, heal the pastors, the hardest job in the world. I pray, Lord, bring healing over leaders, bring healing over pastors, bring repentance over those that are watching that are like, wow, I realize tonight I'm a false teacher. I pray, Lord, heal them. Open their eyes, restore them, encounter them, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. I even pray over us, Father, that you would just lead us by the spirit of truth, that we would never get arrogant, that we would never get proud, that we would never get haughty. Lord, that you would keep us contrite, broken, humble, and just low. Father, keep us low, as low as we can go in your spirit, Father. Keep us humble. And if there's anything in our lives, Lord, point it out to us, Father. I pray over every pastor, every leader that's felt abused, that's felt used, that's felt called Mm -hmm. out. We thank you, Lord, that your word says that we're going to be hated because you were hated. So, Father, I pray right now that we would not get a persecution complex, but we would be healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Every leader be healed right now in Jesus' name. Every pastor that's had church hurt or church split be healed right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would deliver us from every demonic spirit that's attached itself to us through pain, through hurt, through wounds, through leadership, through backstabbing. Father, I pray any demonic spirit clinging on to these people, we command it to leave in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, come up and out. You have no power, Satan. We know what you're doing, Satan. You have no power. We've exposed you every cockroach hiding in the corner. We've exposed all those demons now by the light of Christ. And we say, leave now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of trauma, every spirit of abuse, every spirit of hurt, every spirit of spiritual abuse from false prophets, all mind control, 
As Vlad spoke about divination, mm. spirit of divination, we break it off of you now in Jesus' name. Every divination spirit, we break it now. Every false prophecy spirit, we break it now. All confusion now is broken. Some of you, I feel the Lord saying this, have been manipulated by a pastor, leader, false prophet. They've used mm. you. They've manipulated you. They put mind control on you. They put spirits on you. They, they're just flat out wrong. They're dirty. They're wrong. They're not even trying to be right. They're just deceptive. They've done sexual things to you. I really feel the Lord saying he's breaking that bondage right now, yes. that cord, that soul tie. God is breaking it now yeah. in Jesus' name. All, all those that have been sexually abused by leaders, pastors, preachers, I just pray the healing power of God. And I feel the Lord saying to tell you this, that he's not like them. He's not That's abusive right. the way he that the way they are. He's not going to hurt you the way they did. He's trustworthy. So, Father, right now, mm. we just pray deliverance. Break that cord in Jesus' name. Break that tie in Jesus' name. If anyone else feels led anything, I don't, don't want to pressure you, but I just know the Lord's healing right now. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, God. Bring healing and Lord, restoration. I want to pray for yeah. Go for it. Pray for every single orphan, everybody yes. who feels mm. that they have been disconnected mm. from yeah, a father. Awesome. That maybe you had a spiritual father that you felt did you wrong, but mm. I just believe the Holy Spirit's giving you fresh revelation, yes. fresh insight into that situation. And you are going to know God as Father. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are ministering to their heart right now, that you're healing their Amen. heart. And, Father, I thank you that whatever they're seeking in mm. approval, seeking in affirmation, seeking in attention, that, God, you will be the yeah, only source that satisfies them, God. Mm. And, 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 Lord, I just thank you that you're freeing them right now. And, Father, you said you came to bind up the brokenhearted. And so all that heartbroken brokenness, mm. all, every single wound, Lord, that you would just close it up. Oh, man, I just see a vision right now. This, I know this sounds crazy, but I think I see wounds open with tongues in them and people have been speaking out of wounds, but God is closing those wounds because you've actually never spoken out of your mouth. You've been speaking out of wounds. And so before you ever prophesy, preach, teach out of your mouth, God has to close a wound that you've been speaking out of for too long. So Father, I just thank you for doing that work now for just healing them in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I pray for those false prophets that are Come one on. step away of embracing a reprobate mind father mm. i pray lord that you would yes, bring lord. conviction again yes, lord. father i pray wow. that you would return them back to true yes, repentance lord. again father i pray lord that you would yes. remind them of the the mm. hours and the and those intimate moments that they had a real relationship with you and where they derailed or might have lost their first love mm. father you care for them, Lord. They didn't start out like that, Father, but they're headed in that direction now, yes, Father. And Father, I pray, Lord, before they before they fall over a cliff, before they die in their sin, before they embrace a reprobate wow. mind, before the conviction of the Holy Spirit is gone, and before the Holy mm. Spirit you leave, before Ichabod and the glory departs from them, Father, I am praying, Lord, that you would have mercy, Lord, that, yes. Lord, you would return back and deal with them. Give them another chance, Lord. Deal with them, Lord, mm. either in a dream. Lord, rebuke them sharply through holding someone close to them to hold them accountable, Lord, and and call them back to repentance father father i am praying lord that before they go down that path lord yes, that lord. you bring them back to the foot of the cross yes. you bring them back to the purity of their prophetic office that you yes. bring them back to the honesty lord of sharing yes, the word lord. of the lord
without yes, profit, without it being for profit, Father. Bring them back to Holy Spirit holiness, Lord. Father, bring conviction mm. and righteousness back mm. into their life before unrighteousness grips their soul completely, Father. So I'm praying for that, Father. I'm praying for that, Lord, before they go oh, off the deep end, Lord. bring Give them another chance, Lord, and bring them straight back to you, Lord. I'm yes, praying Lord. that, Lord, right now. We're coming in agreement, Lord, for that in Jesus' yes, mighty Lord. name, Lord. Lord, I pray right now for those people that are watching who have been food poisoned by false teaching. Come on. I pray for those mm. that have been, their their diet have been has been wrong and they feel that they don't have that, that boldness anymore because yes, the stuff they've been listening to, yes, the books Lord. they've been reading, yes, they, they stole their boldness. They have given them that balanced, super balanced perspective where, where now they don't know what they believe, mm. where now they don't cast out demons, they don't yes. heal the sick, they don't evangelize, yes. they don't burn with the fear of the Lord. They no longer burn with holiness. They live in compromise. And, and Lord, and if yes, they are Lord, very yes. honest right now, God, that the connection to that is the kind of teaching, yes, the kind of teaching they've been sitting under, the kind of podcast they've been listening, the yes, kind Lord. of books they've been reading. And Lord, I pray right now as, they, as yes, they've as they been receiving that impartation that you will begin to shift. Yes, Father, I pray that they will begin to be yes, delivered yes. from that food poison because yes. Eve lost her paradise because she got food poison. She yes. ate the forbidden. She ate the wrong thing. Yes, Lord, and I pray that right now that there will be a shift taking place in their spiritual diet. Yes, I pray that there will be a shift taking place in what they're consuming, Lord God, that they will be consuming things that give them a greater hunger for you. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Man, what a powerful time. I feel the power and the presence of God. I've been yeah. reading some of the comments too. Lots of people saying they're crying. They feel healing. They feel breakthrough. Guys, the most important part is when we pray and we ask the Holy Spirit to do his thing. And so, man, guys, 6,500 people tonight, almost the whole broadcast, two days before Thanksgiving. Incredible, incredible. Um, I want to challenge everybody watching not to dine and dash. So something. I know each one of us have our ministry links pinned in comments. I also have mine in the description as well. If you want to give to this stream, you can do that. If you want to give to their ministries you can do that we're not the guy that's like oh you have to give to this this we don't care wherever you want to give you can give i'm going to sow into these guys regardless of what they say what they ask none of them ask for anything i'm going to do it because i want to sow into their ministries regardless so whatever you give to this broadcast i'll also be sowing into each one of them it's the right thing to do so i want to challenge you guys to give tonight god is on the move we're, what's going on boys where else are you guys going to be any live streams you want to promote any merch let me just show my new shirt real quick you don't have to go buy the merch all right but i want to show you guys the shirt that i got in the mail today check it out nice dude that's my favorite shirt the great commission um love it love it i just got it so i had to show it off real quick but yeah what do you guys got going on merch events streams subscribe to the channel well, in January, we're going to be doing our online school of deliverance again. We hadn't had a chance to do it this year because Come we've on. been doing a lot of remodeling in our temple over at an amazing church in the Bronx. Um, but in Jan Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week. Thank you.